there's so much cultural conditioning that teaches us we need to be in like this constant productive mode, right? So I think there's a lot of mindset work that goes into it at first is really assessing like, how are we showing up in life in the best way possible? If we're showing up completely drained and kind of resentful because we don't want to be out there doing the work, are we really doing the work? So we kind of assess that at first. And then this cycle mapping, once we understand our cycle, we can see that there's distinct phases to our cycle. Like we're feeling really productive for a week or two out of the month. And we're noticing we really kind of want to be home and kind of like feathering the nest for another part of the month. So once we can kind of align our mindset with the phases and the seasons of our cycle, a lot just kind of gels. I mean, we stop swimming upstream and we start to really get into the flow of life. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey friends, welcome back to Hopeful and Wholesome. Today I have on the show Tree Marie and she is such a wonderful source of information about all things, really all things just women's health, right? So she is a transformational cyclical living coach. She's a doula. She's a yoga teacher. She is a reproductive health educator, a Reiki practitioner. She has so many credentials to her name. But really, she is just a total expert on just helping women to reclaim their pre- reproductive sovereignty, to really empower them to live with their cycle and really just embody their feminine. And that's what we're talking about today. So we're talking about how your cycle is your superpower, which sounds really obnoxious to a lot of you listening right now, because I know, like I mentioned this in the show, that's like so many people's least favorite time of the month. It's like there's nothing powerful or empowering about being on your dang period. But she is talking about how we can use our cycle as our superpower, how we can really connect to the cycle that we live in because we are cyclical beings as women. We Our hormones fluctuate just like the waning of the moon, right? And so we're going to talk about that and how to reclaim your feminine cycle wisdom, how to use it to optimize your life. I know you're going to get all your questions answered in this episode. So let's jump in. All right, y'all, let's get going. I have on today, Tree Marie, and I'm so excited for this conversation. She is an expert on all things cyclical living, and she is a reproductive health educator and some other things that I just mentioned in the intro. And I'm really excited to have this conversation because we have so many women who listen to this. So thanks so much for joining me today, Tree. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Me too. So there's so much to dive in here. I'm like, where do we even start? So can you just kind of give, I guess first, let's start here. And I usually say this for later, but I kind of want to dive into exactly what you do because you have so many, yeah. you do so many things. So can you sure. give the listeners an idea of kind of what you, what you do and kind of what your role is as a reproductive health educator and all the things that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why my clients come to me are varied, but essentially what I do is I help people understand their bodies and their hormones. I teach people all about their cycles. Many of us are lacking in that education. So that's the first place where we start. I then teach folks how to track their cycles to be able to monitor their hormonal status strictly by 
biomarkers that their body is giving them every single day. You may or may not have heard these involve temperature and cervical mucus and a few more items of that nature. And from that point, we get really familiar with tracking the cycle. And then I have a process I like to call cycle mapping, whereas we overlay dietary concerns, lifestyle, movement, productivity, energy levels, so many other factors of life on top of that cycle tracking. And from there, we really are able to dial in if somebody is, you know, wanting to deepen their spiritual practice, if somebody is just wanting to learn how to live with the fluctuations of energy and mood throughout the month. So we work on that for about three months. Once we have three months worth of data, we can really start to dial into addressing cycle issues. If someone's having excessive bleeding or irregularity or missing cycles, so on and so forth, we're able to really kind of track what's going on hormonally. And there we start to apply usually dietary and lifestyle adjustments to help them feel better. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so how empowering. I love all of that. That's so cool. Mm, So how do you kind of help women, I guess, understand like the power of their cycle, right? Because I think most of us, I know me included, it's like, oh God, it's like the worst time of the month. Like, Mm. I don't want to be excited about my cycle. Like there's nothing glamorous or exciting about this. So how do you help women kind of understand the power, like how their cycle is their superpower? Yeah, well, it's tricky because there's so much cultural conditioning that teaches us we need to be in like this constant productive mode, right? So I think there's a lot of mindset work that goes into it at first is really assessing like, how are we showing up in life in the best way possible? If we're showing up, you know, completely drained and kind of resentful because we don't want to be out there doing the work, are we really doing the work? So we kind of assess that at first. And then this cycle mapping, once we understand our cycle, we can see that there's distinct phases to our cycle. Like we're feeling really productive for a week or two out of the month. And we're noticing we really kind of want to be home and, you know, kind of like feathering the nest for another part of the month. So once we can kind of align our mindset with the phases and the seasons of our cycle, a lot just kind of gels. I mean, we stop swimming upstream and we start to really get into the flow of life. But I myself, to be completely honest, still struggle with that on some days. I'm like, oh, I want to be like, doing, 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 piling Mm -hmm. things on the plate. But I do also realize that there's a season for everything. And being a person with a cycle, like we are the complete circle, right? So what goes up must come down. And we really can embrace that cyclical living to feel our best and what I think is show up the best way for ourselves in our community. I love that. Yeah, for sure. So how, I guess my next question is, how like you're talking about social conditioning and stuff. So how mm. how have we become disconnected from our cycle? And how can we reconnect? And you just gave some good examples, but I guess what has society because I, I think a lot of it too is like I think some people listening are probably like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Like I it, yeah. it's like it doesn't, it's not kind of because again, it's societal, how we how we view it, how we view the cycle and all that. So I guess can you dive deeper into exactly what societal pressures have put on us in terms of what we think about our cycle, how we feel we should be in our cycle and all of that. And then I guess the more productive way, I don't know what word I'm looking for there, the more productive way to be able to like work with our cycle. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, if we look at, if we look at the development of, of society, first humans were nomadic type people, right? So we were living with the circadian rhythm. We were getting up when the sun came up. We were going to sleep when the sun came down. We were living with the seasons. We were 
I don't know, maybe traveling with the herds of animals or whatever it was, when we became more sedentary as an agrarian society, we started to tinker with controlling our environment more. We were able to stay up at night. We were able to store foods. And it kind of allowed as time progressed and we became more technologically advanced, we were able to really manipulate our environment to even now look at what produce food all throughout the winter. We can be on our screens 24 hours a day. So we kind of got into this mode where we were able to produce all the time, where we got out of the, the flow of seasonality and even the, the daily rhythm, right? So I think that was kind of the start of it in our society. We moved on, you know, flashback to the 1940s, 50s, 60s, I guess more, where women and mostly women, but people with cycles started to go from really being the caretakers of the home to starting to move into the workplace more you know, that first wave of feminism happened, which is wonderful. And I am completely a goal-driven person myself and really see the benefits to the road that that feminism paved. But it also kind of put this idea in the minds of many people that, oh, as a woman, like you can have it all. You can work a 40-hour week. You can have your family. You can do this. You can do that. And instead of really bringing that to a well-rounded, holistic picture. It was kind of like, well, you can do it all, but you have to do it all. It wasn't like your partner can pick up these responsibilities or your, you know, your community can pick up these responsibilities. We're very family-centric, I think, in our culture in the US in particular, where some other countries or some other cultures tend to rely on the community as a whole. So long story short, women started putting a lot on their plates. And we didn't develop the resources to balance that. So I think that's where the beginning of this and the end of this cultural conditioning happened. The second part of your question. Yeah. How, like, how we, how can we, we can shift that? Like, what are the shifts that need to happen to kind of change how we've been, you know, yeah, Yeah. conditioned? Totally. I think a big part of that is just, is really sitting back and evaluating our priorities and, being unapologetic in owning those priorities. Like, is it your priority to um, become an MD and you still want a family? So you just kind of have to decide what's important to me and what supports do I need to make that happen, right? Is it important to me to be with my family, to pick up my kids from school every day? And we just have a shame and a guilt surrounded what I've seen often, I'll say, is we have this game in uh, shame and guilt surrounding owning whichever it is, right? So I think it starts there. And in terms of our cycle, going back to those four seasons, really taking the time to track and understand what our personal cycle looks like. Everybody's different. Some people who menstruate have a 26-day cycle. Some people have a 32-day cycle. Some have a three-day ovulatory phase. Some have a seven-day ovulatory phase. So it really takes dialing it in and understanding your biology, and then being able to overlay your lifestyle on top of that biology. So for example, for about two weeks of the month, we are in what's called our follicular phase. This is when estrogen is rising. Estrogen is the hormone that makes us feel really energetic and determined and able to make connections and build community and come up with ideas. So that would be the phase 
where you maybe can put a little bit more on your plate. You know, if you are training, this might be the time where you put a few more HIIT workouts into your program. Maybe you're, you know, pushing yourself a little bit more on your jog. And after we ovulate, estrogen reaches its peak when we ovulate. And then we go into our luteal phase, which is when progesterone becomes the dominant hormone. This hormone is the kind of natural antidepressant or the natural anti-anxiety. It's very soothing. It's very calming. So during these times of our cycle, we may, you know, do the little fiddly tasks at home. We might do our book work. We're feeling more inclined to be at home and come, you know, come back to our center. Maybe we're taking walks and doing, you know, a um, restorative yoga practice, something like that during that time of the month. I like those examples. That's good. So what do you suggest for people who are wanting to kind of start? And I know you mentioned a little bit before kind of the things look for, but what do you think is the best way to really start tracking your cycle? Like how can we figure out what our cycle is? Because like you're saying, it's different for everybody. So what are the best ways to start doing that? Yeah, I think I would always advocate working with an advocator or excuse me, an educator or a coach because there will be a lot of questions that come up. There's a lot of really great resources out there, some fantastic books that can help people start learning how their cycle works. There's a handful of different methods. There is usually what's called a symptothermal method for tracking your fertility. Now that is looking at your temperature and your symptoms or your biomarkers, which is usually cervical mucus. I always suggest using at least those two parameters to check your fertility status throughout the month. So essentially what happens is you will take your temperature every day. Once you ovulate, your temperature takes up to a whole degree rise. This Mm. is because your metabolic needs increase and you, I won't get in the weeds about that, but your cervical mucus also changes over time. Obviously we menstruate then we start to have that increasing estrogen. We start to see changes in our cervical mucus as estrogen increases. And then once we ovulate, cervical mucus essentially disappears. So tracking those two factors together, you can add on a few other things like the position of your cervix and some other very personal, you know, if you always know you, you know, feel um, a little twinge of ovulation or you know, start to notice your own factors along the way. Mm -hmm. Those are the best ways to start tracking. So again, I would suggest working with somebody to figure that out, but there's great resources. Taking charge of your fertility is like the Bible by Tony Weschler. That's a great resource to get started. And then it just takes some time. You know, it's not a quick fix, right? You're kind of in it for at least three months to establish your pattern. And then it's just so empowering to really understand what's what's going on on right. the inside. Right, know? right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what do you find? Because I mean, I'm sure you work with a lot of different types of women, but what do you find is the most, because I'm sure there's a lot of challenges that come up, right? When we're not connected to our cycle, mm-hmm. right? So I guess, mm-hmm. what do you see? And that's, again, what I was kind of getting to before is a lot of people don't, it's like people I work with, like they don't know, they don't feel good till they realize what it's like to feel good. And they're like, oh, I felt yeah. crappy this whole time and I had no idea. Yeah. So what do you think are some like, I guess symptoms is the right word, symptoms yeah. of people who are women who are kind of disconnected from that cycle that, that you kind of see subside as you start working with them to be yeah. reconnected to their cycle? Yeah. Usually the most common symptoms that I see, or the most common reason I see people coming to me is 
quite honestly, birth control, Mm -hmm. as they say, I was put on birth control when I was 14 years old because my cycles were inconsistent for whatever reason, heavy bleeding, whatever it was. And I've never had a libido. I've like never really felt dynamic in any way. I kind of just feel like I'm going through my life Mm -hmm. like this or so that's the number one reason. Aside from birth control, people will come to me for a myriad of reasons, inconsistent cycles, missing cycles, heavy bleeding, you know, tender breast moodiness. Moodiness and, and emotional instability may be number two reason yeah. why I see people yeah. come to me. But quite often what we find is there's an imbalance of hormones. I mean, our bodies are so intelligently designed. Like I just think, you know, you take a breath in, your body takes that into its lungs, it converts the oxygen and becomes in your bloodstream and then you exhale. It's just like amazing. So our reproductive system is not the outlier. It's not the one that's like going to keep you in bed for three days because your cramps and bleeding are so rough. I mean, that is information. Those symptoms are information that your body's saying, hey, whoa, please pay attention to this because I'm not, you know, like my micronutrient status isn't what it should be. Or I'm so super stressed out. I am prioritizing my survival instead of being able to reproduce. Yep. Um, Yep. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that was me. I was, you know, I got up. That was the whole reason I got on birth control when I was, I don't know how old I was, maybe 18 or something, 19. Mm. It was that, I mean, I had like horrendous PMS, like like debilitating cramps, like bent over, like wanting to puke, like, I mean, just debilitating. Mm. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's the solution they offer you, right? It's like, oh, well, because it fixes them. I mean, it's like, it fixes the symptoms, right? It's not fixing the problem. But then, like, yeah, like you said, and you realize, well, not everybody realizes, but a lot of people realize as you get older, the long-term implications of using that. I mean, honestly, I didn't realize the long-term implications until, you know, within the last I guess in the last five years when I really started diving into like my nutrition studies and all of that, where it's like, oh, wow, I've had all these gut issues for so long and mm. I'm reading like all the different side effects to your gut and your microbiome yeah. and all that from using birth control. So yeah. my question is for women who come to you for that specific reason, they're on birth control, they want to go up because I'm sure some people listening are like, this sounds interesting, but they're terrified to get off birth controls. So you're like, I'm not trying to have a baby right now. So yeah. how do you help with that? Like, what, what are you telling women who are like, you know, I want to get off the birth control, but I don't want to get pregnant. Like, what do you, how do you help that? Yeah, it really takes, I mean, it's a, thanks for sharing your story. It's a very legitimate concern. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. And I Mm -hmm. would never advocate for anybody to start having intercourse until they are like 100% confident in their observations. There are, for lack of a plan, uh, family planning or contraception recommendations that we make, but I never recommend that somebody engages in intercourse without a secondary barrier method until they're absolutely confident about their observations. There's another, because it's really scary. I mean, and it's a huge responsibility to have a baby. We are also told, along with that lack of menstrual education, that we can get pregnant at any time. Anytime. Exactly. Exactly. It's like you're going to explode. Like, anytime. Yes. It's really only. Once you ovulate, that egg is only surviving for 12 to 24 hours, right? So there's a very small window. Now, sperm can live in the body for up to five days under ideal conditions. Sperm is sneaky. So you have to really be conscious about what actions you're taking, right? You have to make good choices. 
But once you're confident, once you have the education, once you are confident in what you're observing in your body, you can move forward with pretty good success rate. I mean, fertility awareness is 98% effective with perfect use. Wow. Um, I want to say, yeah, it is. I, and, yeah. But that's perfect use. I mean, that is right. using using your temperature and your cervical mucus and taking your temperature at the same time every day. You know, everything yeah. has to be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think birth control is only 98 or 99 Yeah, it's, yeah I think it's, yeah, also. depending on which one you take, it's like 99, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, it's very empowering to, yeah. to take control of your fertility. Totally. It really is. But it does take time and practice. And yeah. I don't think anybody should move forward until they feel really confident yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, that makes sense. So it can kind of, you know, I mean, it's kind of, we want to have sex at, our peak fertility times. So it's a little, you know, you have to hold, hold in both hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So for, I always like to give tangible tips and stuff here. So, um, and you did mention, you know, how to start kind of tracking your cycle and all that, but I guess what mm-hmm. are a few things that women, the women listening can do now to really start to like take control and really start to, I guess, really optimize their cycle, right? Like that cyclical leveling. Like what can we do to kind of get started with that? Yeah. I mean, if you are going to just kind of start on your own, I would say get Taking Charge of Your Fertility Mm -hmm. by Tony Weschler. Read that book. It's really, it is a great resource. What I would do for anyone who is just starting out, I would just simply start making notes in your agenda or your journal or whatever it is that you keep like take a real pen and a real piece of paper and start mm-hmm. writing down observations every day while, and just, you know, keep it low key. Yeah. Maybe just a few notes about your mood. I had high energy, low energy, any observations that you're noting that could be cycle related. If there's any bleeding, if you're noting any mucus, if you're having any PMS symptoms, I think just getting in that routine of marking something down and then being able to observe that pattern over time. Period tracking apps are a huge resource that we have now. I don't necessarily like them because they're based on an algorithm. They're not really taking in the nuances that your your body might. If you get sick, your period tracking app doesn't account for that. If you're you know, out drinking, your body kind of shifts a little bit and the app doesn't take that into account. I think it's better than nothing. So yeah. if you know, but I wouldn't rely on a period tracking app as birth control. That's for sure. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I think that's yeah. what I hear the most often is that that's how people track, you know, is one of those, one of the apps. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's good information to know. Yeah. And you know, of course I wouldn't recommend that anybody just like stop birth control cold right. turkey. Right. I think there's a lot of things you can do to prepare for that. You mm-hmm. should kind of see it as like a long process. You want to remineralize your body and and have your nutrition on par. So your body's ready to make those hormones when you do come off. Yeah. What do you find for, and and this may be like out of your scope of practice. I'm not sure you're really concerned with like helping people so much, like heal their bodies from birth control. Cause I know it's more about getting, but, but Mm -hmm. do you have any, or have you found like, what are the guests, what are the most common things that people who are coming to you when you're coming to you getting up birth control, like what are the most common things that they need to do to kind of repair their body from that? Yeah. I mean, it's really, so coming off birth control is like going through puberty again, right? So you have to really be committed to letting your body take the time it needs to start 
getting in the process of producing hormones again, right? So like we essentially, when we go on birth control, we kind of just put like a brick wall between our reproductive cycle. And there's different types of birth control, right? There's some that are progesterone or progestin based, and there's some that are estrogen based. So it all depends on what somebody's coming off of. But like I said, just getting that like diet and nutrition status back on track, our body needs you know, a certain amount of healthy fats to produce hormones. We need to be sleeping well. Most of our hormones are produced at night. So we really just need to get those pillars of of health on track before we transition off birth control. And then, you know, just do what we can to make ourselves comfortable. Like your cycle may be 20 days, one month and 40 days the next month. There's a lot of transition. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, well, that's yes, good. It is. Yeah, because it is quite a process. Yeah. yeah. So and I yeah. do like that you because you mentioned before about like tracking and taking notes and stuff. And I love that tip because that's like one of my number one tips too, just for people getting started with like their health is it's like building mm. that that awareness, right? Because yeah. a lot of times we I mean, we go through a whole life with having zero awareness about what's going on in our body. And yeah. it really is. It is so simple. Just like taking notes about how you feel. It seems like, okay, that seems dumb. But it really yeah. is super empowering because you really have no idea until you start taking notes on it. Because I'm the same with my clients. Like, let's track, you know, what you're eating, how you feel when you eat, how did you feel before you ate, what mood were you in? Like, is it all affects yeah. all the things? So I love that you you said that about just getting started with your cycle because it's so yeah. important to understand how you're feeling and how totally. you know what's going on in your body. One hundred percent. So I I love that. Just getting the muscle memory, mm-hmm. right? Of like observing what's going on with yep. you. And to make it even less complicated, if somebody just wanted to mark on a calendar, like their days of bleeding, like mm-hmm. that's a great start too. Yeah. Super simple, yeah. easy to observe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just keep it yeah. simple. I like that. Those are great tips. I like it. I love that. Yeah. So I do want to have you kind of share because I love that. And before we started recording, and if y'all were looking at what tree is sitting in front of, she has like so much greenery and plants behind her. Can you tell everybody just kind of what your life is? Because I find it really fascinating that you live on an organic farm. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Yeah, sure. So I'm in upstate New York. My husband and I live on a 30-acre organic farm, grow a diversity of vegetables and herbs and some medicinal herbs, a lot of flowers. We just have a wonderful life, to be honest. We have a flock of chickens that are really goofy. I never thought I'd be a chicken lady, but here I am. And it's just so related because, you know, farming is, well, you're, I mean, cycles are your whole life. Absolutely. So it just feels really good to be a part of that, to be raising our kids in that, whether they like it or not, they could not be bothered by it, have the time, but... Yeah. So um, we do a lot of education and we grow a lot of transplants for home gardeners. We have like seven seven greenhouses that we fill with plants and teach a lot of people how to grow their own food and become more sovereign in that as well as their fertility. So I love it. Um, it is all related. I love that. It's yeah, just like, yeah. it's like full circle. Like that's so yeah. cool. I love yeah. that so much. Thanks. So I do like to, I like to ask everybody the same question, but before I ask you that, can you just tell everybody where they can find you and learn more about this. Because I know I have a lot of people as, always asking me stuff about this. So I know people are going to be mm-hmm. super interested in learning more about yeah. you and learning about working with you and cyclical living and all of that. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. I can be found on Instagram. Um, Cycle Alchemist is my handle there. I have a website. 
it'll probably be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I work with people ongoing as a coach. I have a course also, if you're kind of more the DIY person, mm-hmm. I'm happy to do consults with folks for free. If you hop over to the website, you can see where to sign up for a free session with me. And I think that's it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'll for sure have all the links to those in the show notes for well, for all yeah. of those. So that's, yeah, great stuff. Thanks so, so much. A question that I always like to end with, ask everybody, what mm-hmm. do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? Mm, to live with purpose. I think it's just to find what lights you up, right? And to be intentional about incorporating that into your day or your week or your routine in some kind of way to always come back to that thing that lights you up, whether it's nutrition or writing a book or yoga or I don't know, video games even, but just making sure that you create the space in your life to do what lights you up. I love that. I love that so much. That's perfect because we're all about like living out our purpose here. So I love that. What lights you up is your purpose. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom on this tree. This was, this was, this was super enlightening and, and really awesome. empowered, such an empowering conversation to take control of your femininity and all that. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Thanks for having me. This was a great chat. Yes. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.